Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've discovered from my challenges with ADHD and chemo brain. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now certified productive environment specialist and ADHD productivity coach with well over 20 years of experience in business, office design, and productivity. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, wife, mom of a teen and a cat, and a lifelong geek. I'm old enough now to be proud of it. I've learned that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget our appointments, we can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and fits who we are with our unique brains. I believe that to be truly productive, we need to learn how to be intentionally unproductive. A strange twist for a productivity coach. But hey, I love to ski, sail, and surf. Listen in and learn how to streamline your space and systems so you can be more focused, organized, and have more time to be intentionally unproductive. Hey everyone, Catherine Avery of ProductivityByDesign.com and your host of the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Today I have with me friend, colleague, the whole nine yards, Nicole Lewis-Kieber. She is a business therapist, get ready for this, and mindset coach who works with entrepreneurs to create and nurture healthy relationships with their businesses. She's a licensed clinical social worker with a master's in social work and has a rich and varied experience as a therapist. Nicole is certified in Brene Brown's Dare to Lead methodology. She's been featured on numerous media outlets, including Fast Company and NPR for her work in breaking the stigma of mental health and business ownership. She writes and speaks about the impact of small T trauma on businesses But her biggest and most important work is in combining therapeutic processes with business coaching to help entrepreneurs build emotionally sustainable and financially stable businesses. Welcome aboard. Thank you for having me. Oh, my (laughs) pleasure. So I went in Nicole to come on because what she is doing is so different from anybody I know out there. I mean, I know a lot of coaches and I think in some way, We are like fluttering around the edges of trauma-informed coaching, and we're either business coaching or, in my case, ADHD productivity coaching, and we're not looking at how the stuff that happened to us in our past, I'll say childhood, but it could be even beyond that in our past, Mm -hmm. that we were working in our 20s for some jerk, and that's haunting us as we come into creating our own businesses, how trauma affects our business. So I don't even know where to start because there's so much juicy stuff here. (laughs) We could talk for three hours. Why not, I guess, really start at how can trauma affect our business? So trauma can impact our business because trauma becomes a part of our nervous system, the way we relate to the world, the way that we see ourselves. And so I always say that, you know, I think the, I call it your deeper why, you know, the why of of starting your business is often connected to some event in a previous younger version of ourselves. It can be childhood, it can be early adulthood, but our why gets connected around some desire to want to feel safer, to be in control, to be the one who has the the say, to um, show somebody up, you know. And so when we've had these experiences that made us feel unsafe, unseen, unheard in some kind of way, 
it changes what we want for ourselves and it changes what our nervous system needs in order to feel safer. And so I see every day entrepreneurs and small business owners whose impetus, like the birth idea of their business was created by some kind of event that felt traumatic to them in some way. They probably didn't even recognize it as trauma at the moment, but it deeply ingrained in their belief about themselves and what they need. And so, you know, trauma can be the reason that you started a business. It impacts the relationship that you build with that business, and it can impact all the mechanisms of what you put in place in your business and how it, you know, impacts you, your clients, your employees, how you market yourself. Like, it's just, you know, we always say we don't drop our baggage at the door. We start a business. We bring all of who we are into it. And starting a business is definitely a high dive into personal development, whether you want to do it or not. It brings up your stuff. (laughs) So um, I always say, like, how could trauma not impact your business? Like, how couldn't it? Just to step back a tiny bit, I would love it if you could describe the difference between a little T trauma and a big T trauma, because I'm sure there are listeners out there that, unlike me, who's sort of immersed in the world of having like grown up with some trauma, mm-hmm. how do they differ? And sort of maybe what are some examples of each? Yeah. So most definitely there's people listening right now who probably don't identify with the word trauma. And part of the reason for that is that because we as a culture and society really kind of minimize the definition of that and don't allow for the multiple ways that it shows up. So, you know, if I were to to grab a microphone and go out on the street somewhere and say, when I say trauma, what do you think? The answers are probably going to be PTSD, natural disaster, uh, maybe violence or, you know, maybe you got mugged or, or some pretty significant childhood experiences. What they're not going to say is, yeah, I had a bully in the 12th, you know, when I was 12, who wouldn't leave me alone for an entire year. Right. So big T trauma, we kind of describe those as they're they're bigger events. They're, you know, sometimes they're um, one and done, you know, like it's a big event, it changes everything, but you're, you're out of it now. Right. It's like, an explosion. Little T trauma can be cumulative. These are experiences that many of us were told, just suck it up. That's what everybody has to deal with in their childhood. And they are cumulative events that, you know, impact our nervous system. They make us feel unsafe, unseen, and heard. And they change how we see ourselves. They change how we operate in the world, but they're more cumulative. So maybe you grew up in a household where you had a parent who had to work all the time and then you had to be an adult before your age, right? Like right. you're seven and you're taking care of your younger siblings. Maybe you had a learning difference like I did. So you went to school every day and you felt like you're behind and you don't know what's going on. You know, maybe you had a parent with a chronic illness. You know, there, there's all these things that impact your nervous system and how you see yourself and the opportunities available to you. You know, systemic things can be, you know, trauma. So, The thing I like to say to people to help them kind of understand the difference is that big T trauma explodes, small T trauma erodes, but they are both strong enough to move a mountain. And in fact, I see more people who are impacted by these small T traumas than some of the bigger T ones because they haven't recognized that it's trauma. So therefore, they haven't gotten any help for it. Right. So I think in terms of like a big T trauma that happened in our lives was Mm -hmm. our friend's mom my daughter, one of her closest friends, the mother passed away very unexpectedly, quite suddenly of, of a heart, either a heart attack or brain aneurysm. My knowledge is mm-hmm. six years gone by. That was trauma. That was trauma for the entire school. It happened in the front of the school. Yeah. 
well-known. I mean, it was a very small school. Everybody knew everybody. That is big T trauma. And we, of course, uh, the school provided help. They brought someone in, a counselor to talk to everybody, et cetera. And then, you know, as parents, we knew we were going to need to give space for these kids to go through whatever they were dealing with. Yeah. Simultaneously, we were very, very close with the family, like spent Christmas Eve every year together close. Mm. So we were dealing with our daughter's trauma at the exact same time we were dealing with our own. Yeah. But when you're in big T trauma, it's so obvious you can't miss it. So that mm-hmm. you said explodes mountains, erodes mountains. You don't see as much. First of all, when we were growing up, that's what was done. And it so was all trauma. <laughs> no, well, no, no. Really, but you just didn't know even what little T trauma was. And you didn't, it all just accumulated without us ever even knowing that was the case. Like I never yeah. knew that I had ADHD mm-hmm. until I was over 50. So sometimes I'll be saying, like, <laughs> this is one of my big things in coaching school right now. I'll keep saying like, but to me, it's me. So I don't know from any different my mm-hmm. brain. I didn't realize my brain. I knew I was different. I didn't know why. Mm-hmm. And when I'm listening to clients, they'll sometimes say, is this my ADHD? And I'm kind of like, maybe, but yeah. you know, I'm like that. So maybe it's just like we're alike. Maybe it's not. And those are, those can even be those little T traumas, right? Like your teachers were constantly saying you interrupted too much, or they were saying, you know, you weren't working up to your potential. There's a fun one, right? There were all these things that were adding up in my life, these little T traumas. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, I was funny. We were on the phone with my parents the other day and I was talking about how my daughter has ADHD and she has a tutor and how well she's doing in school. And, you know, my dad immediately was like, no, we, even if we had known, we wouldn't have gotten you a tutor. My mother's like, are you kidding? Of course we would have. And I said, you know, mom's right. You would have gotten me a tutor. And then they kind of do this whole moment of guilt. And I'm like, where's the guilt? Nobody knew. I don't blame you. I don't lay this at your feet and say, mom, dad, you should have. Yeah. Nobody knew. They just mm-hmm. didn't. We didn't have the knowledge base that we have now. I mean, I wouldn't have known about going to a therapist or having an ADHD coach or learning executive functioning skills. It just it was the eighties. <laughs> Spit on it and run on it, girl. Right. Spit it. on it and run. Yeah, it's exactly true. And so I, I, I find that a lot of people who are op- whose nervous system is operating from a trauma response mm-hmm. don't always realize that you know what they experienced created a traumatic event for them. And, you know, you could be someone who grew up with a learning difference. Like I I had ADHD. I had learning challenges. I could have grown up, you know, in that system feeling like, oh, I don't know what's going on most of the time. But if I had had a supportive family at home who did not have other traumas happening in the household, it may not have had as big as impact on my self-worth and my value of myself for someone, you know, who who had a, a family where they were supportive or they did understand or they were trying or weren't, you know. So what is tra- what can be traumatic to one person may not be for the other person. And that is usually because of the support systems around them. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting, which just goes to show how important this is. And, and, you know, before we started talking, I had mentioned in passing, you know, we didn't get to ski yesterday. Our daughter was disappointed. Mm-hmm. But because she's grown up in a supportive household where she's listened to, she was able to say, this is what I need. And she knew exactly what she needed. And then 
the part that was really sort of fun for me was to be like, wow, you know, you really knew exactly what you needed to take care of yourself. Not mom, go take the credit card and buy me a hundred dollars worth of stuff, but I'm going to take a warm bath. I'm going to watch a favorite TV show. I'm going to put on my coziest PJs and grab my blanket. You know, I'm 16. She'd probably kill me if I said that about the blanket. But, (laughs) you know, I joke, she's like the ADHD inattentive. So she's the sloth on the sofa. And that's what comforts her. And that doesn't mean that she's sitting there sucking her thumb. It just means that she wraps in her cozy. Okay. Don't we all like to wrap in our cozy warm blanket once in a while? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's pretty, pretty comforting to be able to say to her, like to reinforce Look, mm-hmm. you handled this really well. You didn't like throw a fit and yell at everybody and, you know, ask for all the things. You just said, mm-hmm. this is what I need and I'm going to give it to myself. Mm-hmm. And we haven't Beautiful. even gotten to this piece, but we can, because I think it will relate to business, which is we almost have to like parent ourselves. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things I teach is that we have to get to know, I call them your inner kiddos. You know, those younger versions of ourselves that had those moments where they felt unseen, unsafe, unheard, or neglected, or, you know, put into situations where they didn't feel like they were safe. You know, that seven-year-old who gets bullied on the playground every day that they go to school or feels unseen and unheard and unsafe because they are, you know, a different skin color than everyone else around them or their parents or, you know, that seven-year-old. I would say they kind of freeze in time. And so then that seven-year-old comes with you into your business. You know, all of those younger versions of ourselves are on this inner board of directors playing out some role. And we have never asked them, do you want to be a CEO of a company? (laughs) But yet you have a seven-year-old who feels very fearful, you know, running in your head, you know, making decisions or, you know, keep keeping you from doing things, avoiding things. And so... I always have noticed that this inner critic that we all have gets really loud when we have a lot of those kiddos there that need some protection. So that inner critic pops up and says, you can't go do that thing because this seven-year-old feels unsafe, right? So it really plays into doing some work on what kiddos are there. How are they impacting your business? Can we give them a job or do we need to dismiss them from the room? Because they're not going to go until you tell them they can. So yeah, that younger inner kiddo work that we do is so important. And I, we have a system called inner kiddo to CEO. So I take people through that. I love that. <laughs> I, um, I, so as I was reading your book, and this is specifically related to what you just said, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's called how to love your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You talk about the manifestations, of the inner critic who are these younger versions of ourselves who are mm-hmm. sitting on that board, right? And you talk about the worrier, the insecure bluffer, the annihilator. And I mm-hmm. really related to these. I was like, ooh, I definitely have a few of those sitting around in, in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. They're not quite as loud as they used to be, which is pretty nifty. Yay. And I think I've learned how to like say, all right, I see you here. More so since I read your book, that's for sure. Talk to me a little bit about how these three can show up. And if you need me to reiterate them, (laughs) they were warrior, insecure, bluffer, and annihilator. Yeah. So these are, you know, three ways that it it definitely shows up. Cause a lot of people think that inner critic, you have to kill it, you know, shut it down, slay it, fire it, all the things. And we really don't have to let it direct us, but if we spend all of our energy trying to shut it down and kill shut it up, 
then we lose the gold or the lesson, or we lose what it is that we need in this moment. You know, so I always teach people to say, okay, I hear you. What do you need? (laughs) As opposed to shut up, go away. Because usually there is protecting some need that we had as a kid that was not met. And so that's the whole part of that reparenting ourselves is giving us what we needed. And um, it can show up in a lot of ways. It can be, you know, like this worrisome voice that just is, you know, worried about every little thing. Martha Beck talks about her um, little dragon on her shoulder who worries. And so she'll just say, it's okay. You know, so that voice can just be a really, really strong voice of worry, like wringing your hands, like this is not going to work out. So, you know, don't do it. The other one is the, you know, insecure bluffer. And I forget, you know, this is really funny. You might need to read from the book because it's been a couple of years since I wrote it. I forget exactly which one that is. Talk about chemo brain. (laughs) Well, yeah, right. So we both have been through cancer and chemo for listeners who aren't aware. So this is one of our many connections. And as I recall, when I was reading the Insecure Bluffer, it reminded me of a family member who I'm not going to say who now my whole family is going to be like, who's she talking about? So let's say cousin. And that was someone who will make it look like everything's okay and they're raring to go and it's just going to happen and we're just going to make it happen. But what really is happening behind the scenes is like, oh my God, am I going to really be able to make it happen? Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I read the insecure bluffer. You can yeah, yeah. I've got it. Yeah, wrong. thank you for the no. That's good. Thank you for the reminder. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's kind of like the fake it till you make it thing, and sometimes it kind of yeah. blows up in your face, where you're pretty much traumatizing yourself on the inside while you're trying to do this thing. And then obviously the annihilator is like, who do you think you are? You're <laughs> you're incapable of doing this. No one wants to hear from you. You know that's where the imposter complex kind of or syndrome types to hang out in the annihilator. It's like, who are you to do this thing? So. But those voices are there to keep you from doing something that I think a younger version of you have deemed unsafe Mm. is to keep you safe, you know? And so we lose the ability and the gold, you know, available to us when we just shut it down and ignore it. It's much better to partner with it and learn from it. Right. I think in terms of like, say the worrier, there might Mm. be a valid reason in there that you're worrying. And if you can get past the 17 layers of BS worry to the real worry, <laughs> whatever that worry might be, the one that's protecting you. So let's say it's that you've decided you really want to take this very expensive class, but you're worried that it's too much money and should you really be investing in it or whatever, you might be going through all the other little worries around it and not really mm-hmm. getting to the bottom line. Should I be spending this money on this class mm-hmm. or this mm-hmm. assistant or whatever it is mm-hmm. that you might be purchasing could be one of the reasons that it's valid to look at it and say, is there a piece of this, mm-hmm. a message in here that I'm supposed to be listening to? Yeah. Is this real? Is this mine even? <laughs> is this mine? You know? Right. Right. Or as, as Brene, <laughs> I know. Or as Brene says, the, you know, what story am I telling myself about this? And this is even my story to be consumed with. Um because our brains are geared towards story and they want to know who the good guys are, who the bad guys are. And the absence of that data, it's going to fill it in, you know, and that protects that younger version of ourselves. So, And suddenly we're the bad guy. What? A lot. <laughs> what? What? what do you mean I'm the bad guy? I don't want to. I know. Got to blame somebody. Might as well be you. Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, let's see. What else can we talk about around this? I know. Story. Why am I making this difficult? I'd love to hear a client's story that you can tell without it being obvious who the person is. So Mm -hmm. 
can be highly generalized. Yeah. So I'll tell um, just, you know, kind of an overview of a story in the book because I've been given permission permission to share it. I had a client who uh, came in after 18 years of having their own business and they were really miserable. Like they were just tore up miserable. (laughs) Their employees were miserable. So many employees that they had had just a lot of churn, you know, in their in their employees. And she said to me, I know it's me. I know it's me, but I don't know how to fix this. And, you know, so what we were able to kind of move through is, you know, kind of the framework I use is, okay, so why did you start this business? Like the real why. And it was to impress her father because she was in the same business as her father had been, who was a very domineering, critical parent could do no right, you know? And so in order to connect with him, because she felt very disconnected, she started a business connected to the same career that he had to try and gain his favor and his love, right? She thought it was just, you know, I want to be in a high performance job and I went to school for this. And this, you know, helps my skill set. So why not start this business? I'm tired of working for these, you know, men who won't listen to me because it was a male dominated, you know, industry. So she thought it was for that. <laughs> And she thought she came to see me because she wanted to be in the top 1% of her field revenue wise is why she came to see me and because of the employee turnover. But what we recognized is that it was not that why it was this deeper shadow why of receiving acceptance from her father. And so she would get more, more clients, make more money, get more awards, do all the things. And he never recognized her accomplishments. She never got the connection with him that she was seeking like this deeper thing. And so she was then, her business had become a personality of like her dad. So she was being her dad as the business owner to these employees. Like they could do no right. They could do, you know. And so it just was this huge vicious cycle. And so when she got clear about what her real why was so that she could actually give herself the recognition that she needed and the acceptance, it was able to determine that the relationship with her business had become this very complex, demanding, and just really not nice you know, connection and that she was working her stuff out on her employees when she was able to change the relationship with her business and really understand this and see how it was impacting the mechanisms of her business, like her money, the visibility, you know, all the the workings of the churn of the business itself. She was able to turn everything around and she was able to make the same revenue working on her own with no employees because at that point, it was like hire more or do it yourself. Mm. And she recognized that managing, managing people was not something that she was good at at that point that she enjoyed doing. And so she simplified and let go of that 1% goal mm. to having a business that felt supported that would uh, help her find her way towards retirement. So she went from like 1% goal to now being semi-retired, making the same amount of revenue, not managing all these people. And um, much happier, you know, so she had to go through this process of really reckoning with how her childhood trauma was impacting her business, not just in her own personal experience in it, but how she was traumatizing her clients and her employees as part of this like white knuckle experience. So, you know, she's very happy now and doing well. <laughs> it's funny. It was I a journey. <laughs> I don't want full time employees. I just don't. I don't want to build the business so big that it becomes that. So I do have people I subcontract out to. I definitely have helped to run my business, but it's really me. Mm -hmm. The sort of big T trauma that resulted in realizing I had to shift things about my business was getting cancer. 
mm-hmm. and really kind of having to shut it down and then reevaluating, is this the business I want to be in? Because if it's this kind of a business, can I still work even if I'm sick? And the answer was no. Mm-hmm. I was a designer. So I was, you know, carrying things, bossing general contractors around or trying to my best of my ability because, you know, there's a little bit of an old fashioned, there's the little woman and she doesn't know what she's talking about thing going on. And, you know, that's when I did the transition and said, I still really want to work with business owners. I still really want to work in offices. How can I help them be more productive? I was already kind of doing it in some ways as I was helping people set up filing systems, et cetera, but, you know, morphed my way into a model where I can work from anywhere. I can coach from anywhere. I can still help people achieve their goals. And that's the part that got me the high was... Mm -hmm wow, I helped them get this beautiful business space that they can work in and be successful in. Well, I helped them get a mindset that they can work in and be successful in, right? What's similar to what you're doing, but I just do it very differently from the way mm-hmm. you do it. Mm-hmm. So a big T trauma helped me reevaluate everything about my life and my business to set it up in a way that it's more automated, it's more systematized, that I have more help, mm-hmm. that if I can get away on a real vacation and unplug, which I did on December 23rd because I was so exhausted. I just pulled every plug out of the wall and I didn't work again until January 1st. Now, all my clients knew I had done all the things. Everybody Mm -hmm. was on board. They all knew what was going on. But, you know, if I run these group meetings, we opted just not to have them that week. But if we were to have those meetings, my assistant could run them. She could. She can't do the one-to-one coaching with people, but she mm-hmm. could run those meetings and keep my clients feeling the love, even if I was, say, in Europe for a week, which hopefully someday we'll all be traveling again. Mm-hmm. I mean, we haven't even talked about pandemic trauma. I mean, that would be a great next subject mm-hmm. as something to talk about. You know, I feel, and you can tell me I'm wrong, that everyone right now is dealing with some kind of a trauma. Oh, yeah. Pandemic Everyone's dealing health. with some, yeah. Some for some it's more traumatizing than others, um, but I don't really know anyone who doesn't have some level of nervous system dysregulation right now that is created by these you know traumas that we're going through. And a lot of people don't see it right now because oftentimes you're not when you're in the middle of it, you haven't had a chance to recognize it, process it, and kind of move through it. So we have had this prolonged period of not really being able to you know reckon and begin to heal from anything. So we're right. still steeped right in the middle of it. So, you know, I've told people if you didn't have it before, which I think is suspect because 70% of most adults have had a traumatic event, probably more than that. But if you didn't before, you have it now. So it's important to pay attention to this when it comes to you, the people that you're working with, your family. And we all need to give each other so much grace because everyone deals with this in a different way. And Mm -hmm. our way is not the best way or the right way or the wrong way or any way. I remember when we first shut down, I looked at my husband. Now we're a family of introverts. Mm -hmm. I am the least introverted of the lot. My daughter would be very content. She's was great with online schooling. She absolutely adored it. It was no issue whatsoever. My husband would be very happy to be home. They're both homebodies. I need to get out. I go Mm -hmm. get a little antsy. I can work from home for three or four days or whatever. And then I need to be out of this house somewhere, even if it's to take a walk. And so Mm -hmm. at the height of the pandemic, that's what I did. I walked. I didn't walk with anybody. I walked by myself, but I was out physically out of the house. Mm -hmm. The other thing I did was I said to my husband, you can have a pod of five. We're a family of three. 
your sister and her husband, we adore. What if we agreed to make our pod five people and we would go up there and get a pizza one night mm-hmm. a week? Mm-hmm. And so we chose Friday nights and Friday nights we went up and hung out with them. And then, of course, it was summer and then it was easy because you could hang out outside. So it wasn't mm-hmm. so bad. But we made we put things in place to help us get through. Why? Because I had been through cancer. You mm-hmm. know, you were coming right off it. So you'd already just mm-hmm. were finishing up. But I had yeah. had cancer you know, six years ago. Yeah. So I as we came into this, I said, oh, boy, this is going to be circle the wagon time. The part that sucks about this, and for me, the traumatic part of this is when does it end? With chemo and radiation and all that, you have, depending on your level, I was stage one, you have an end date. Yeah. On October 16th, I'm getting my porticata out and I'm done with this damn thing. Is there an end date on this thing? Because I'm still looking. Where is it? <laughs> you know, like some people seem like there's an end date already. They already happened. I don't know. I didn't hear it. <laughs> I didn't hear the bell ring. Well, but it seems know, like it. But that's been the hard part for me is like, mm-hmm. oh, we're going to do another winter of this, even though we're vaccinated. We did all the things. We got to do another winter of this. And and I wasn't too happy about it. I kind of went into it kicking and screaming. And yeah, I'm adapting and it's OK. But the thing that I changed for that mm-hmm. was to do my walk with my neighbor. Mm-hmm. And we walk her dog together and we're outside in the fresh air. It's kind of cold. But if that's what it's going to take for my mind to be able to handle this, then that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. There will be an end. There always is. And we don't know what that looks like. But in the meantime, we're (laughs) having... I know. We're having to learn like what that means to be more in the moment and shifting what we need from day to day. and. You know, while that's a great resilience building activity to know what we need, you know, in order to function, it's also um, we're not our nervous systems are not getting a chance to come back to baseline. Like we we just aren't having that. So I don't know when it'll end. I think it'll end. But having that uncertainty on top of everything else with it constantly changing, it'd be one thing if it was always the one way to go through the pandemic that it always was. It's not, it's like shifting it constantly all day, every day, things are constantly shifting. And so that impacts our ability to feel, you know, secure and solid. So our nervous system is just on heightened alert at all times. So it makes it, I think, much more difficult. But, you know, this is another one of those examples, like the more resourced you are, the more support you have around you, the better your experience will be through this traumatizing event we're going through. And people who are less resourced don't have support. Right. This is becoming much more of a traumatic event for them, you know? So, and your experience may be may vary in between based upon whether you've lost someone or whatever. But it kind of comes down to, again, like how trauma, what can be very traumatic for one person may not be for another because there are people I know who are like, I don't like this. This is terrible, but I don't feel traumatized by it. Right. So, awesome. And I don't really feel traumatized by it. I just kind of wish I knew when, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe for me, the next one is mid-March when it's warmer again and we can be outside and gather with people outside again. Maybe that's, and maybe that's enough. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Like what's your win for the next level of this? You know, when it gets warmer, we can hang out with people outside. Will that make me feel better? Yep. 
because I will do it. I will make it a priority. It will happen and I'll feel better. So it's kind of like, can we just hang on until warmer weather? So I think it's important to be able to look at that and see, okay, what, what is my win <laughs> that this will change a little bit so it feels better. So it's interesting for me because what the pandemic has really done is it's meant I work more hours and I've had to really learn how to get very, I mean, I work from home, Mm -hmm. how to get very firm boundaries around I'm not working now. You know, when you and I talked about it, I've had this very full work day. I've got one more meeting after this and then I have to shut it down, which means literally like Mm -hmm. walking out of this office and shutting it down because otherwise I'll just keep working. Yeah. But making the plan that I'm going to walk with the neighbor at 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. means I'm going to walk out of the office. And I will say this. Once I walk out of the office, it's very rare that I walk back in. Okay. So, <laughs> and I have to have that very physical. And this is a very ADHD thing. We need a really obvious transitions. Very, very clear transitions so that we mm-hmm. can move on to something else. Yeah. So I think what's come out of the pandemic for me has been little bit of that old former Wall Street workaholism. (laughs) I can get a little bit too much in the work zone and not enough into the just have some dang fun zone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. And it's like you said, the obvious transitions that get our attention better than the kind of gray, slippery, which what what am I doing right now? (laughs) Am I working or am I watching? Yeah. Am I going to just like slide in the office and put another hour in or not? Yeah. Amazing. I love it. What's a favorite productivity pointer for you? What would you like to share? So I think the most important thing for me that works, and I think it helps with other people, because again, we're at, we are at very limited capacity right now to process information. Um, and so what I have been doing is making sure that I have written, I, I do not trust my, my, my memory, just done, <laughs> just don't. And so I, you know, have to-do lists for each morning, I write down at the end of the day what did not get done or what I owe someone, like someone said, send me that link or, you know, send me your whatever. At the end of the day, I write down, okay, this, these are the people that I owe something to to make sure that I get it done. Um, so it's to do's and to done's basically. It works for me. And I think it's working really well for my clients right now because everyone's mental capacity is really tapped out. And also if you have meetings with people or group programs, or you're launching something new, make sure that multiple reminders are included in your systems mm-hmm. so that you are holding space for the people that are in your, in your orbit, because their mental capacity is also at a low. So don't feel like that you've reminded them too many times. Yeah. They appreciate it. They need it and give everything there. Just like where we're meeting with time, all of it. Don't assume. Please just give me the damn Zoom link. Mm-hmm. Don't assume anything. So I think that that's also a productivity ha- hack for you and the people that are with you so that they're not having to remember and find everything. I think that's fantastic. I love that. I have um, a coaching group I'm a part of right now. And she's changed everything so that you sign in each week with a new thing each week. And I'm like, no, are you That is awful. I'm like, <laughs> That's a lot. Bad idea. And, I, and, and every week I can't get in. So I've missed it for like three weeks running because there's this new system and it, and there hasn't been like a little video. How about send me a little loom video? Here's how you do it. Ding dong yeah. with something big, you know, that's yeah. a reminder the new way to log in or whatever in capital letters, like my clients get lots of reminders and, and they've, I've adapted to them. 
Mm-hmm. So they've said, like, we don't like that there's a new Zoom link each week, even though you send us multiple reminders. We don't like it. We mm-hmm. want one. Well, yeah. today I learned today. <laughs> it's exciting when you learn something now. I learned how to set it up so that each of my clients has their own individualized recurring Zoom link. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Something. They're happy. I'm happy. Everybody's happy. What could be better, yeah. right? Yeah. So I, it, there's just there's always a way to if we can step back away from our stuff and quiet down those voices, right? The mm-hmm. worrier, etc. We can find a better way to do things. You have some really nifty stuff for our listeners mm-hmm. and for anybody out there. Mm-hmm. A group program you run, a uh, free assessment. Mm-hmm. One, how can people find you? And two, what are those things where you can do them in the other order, whatever you like? Great. So um, we're going to include the link in the notes, the show notes, so they'll also get to see them. You can always find, you know, nicole.lewis-keeber.com is my website, so you can find things there. But I have a trauma and entrepreneurship assessment. It is a free assessment where if you've heard us talk about something, you're like, gosh, I wonder if trauma might be impacting my business, you can go take that assessment to, you kind of get to know yourself in the relationship that you have with your business. So I highly recommend doing that. It is free. I also have a link to my book, you know, in the, in the show notes that you'll get how to live your business. It's on Amazon. I highly recommend reading it. If you're interested in working with me or anything I do, it's a great place to start. And I do have a program that's called Do No Harm. It's actually a self-paced program now because people need more time. So it's self-paced. It's how to become more trauma conscious as an entrepreneur and do no harm to yourself and the people that you work with. Uh, So you can find that in the link too. Sounds great. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you came on, Nicole. I'm so glad you invited me. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. If you like what you've heard, please share this episode with someone you think needs it. I would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews make my heart sing and can help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.